Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert. They're off and running again. So smooth. So sweet. Splendid. Succinct. Just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort or 1,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff. In just a moment, I'll be joined by my friends, colleagues, co-hosts, my betting best friends, BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo. But before I bring in those two gentlemen, a reminder that Wonder Goal is presented to you by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet $1 on any game. Get $200 free. Anthony, BJ, the Premier League came back. Uh, felt like everything was kind of just as is. Everton are still terrible. City and Arsenal. All the um, favorites, all the Ars- favorites yeah. won. Every game went over. Yep. It was great. Exactly. It was fun, yeah, it was, fun, it was, fun it was like the World Cup never happened. Yeah, exactly. Um, so maybe this is the weekend of chaos. Uh, and we'll start potentially this weekend with of chaos with a delicious matchup, 12.30 on Saturday. A title six-pointer between Brighton, plus 250, and Arsenal, plus 110. The draw here is plus 260. This game taking place on the South Coast, VJ, your Arsenal Gunners. They'll be traveling as a favorite. But I think that this number is a little too short on Arsenal. I like, I like Brighton here. What about you? Yeah, I... Look, I'm not going to bet against Arsenal. I generally do believe that Arsenal is a tad overvalued, maybe not as much as maybe you two think. But um, I actually like both teams to score no at plus 125. Arsenal, once again, put in a fantastic defensive performance against West Ham. There was a very, very questionable penalty. Well, actually, it wasn't even questionable. It was never a penalty. There was never any contact. So West Ham goes up one nothing and kind of changes how the match played out. West Ham only created 0.25 non-penalty expected goals throughout the match. So Arsenal is, once again, you know, number one in expected goals allowed, around 0.75 per 90. And the biggest thing in this match, and if you want to bet Brighton in this match, Deserby has been very, very aggressive. He's obviously plays a very similar style to Potter, but the counter-pressing, the way they possess the ball, it's very, very aggressive trying to move the ball up the pitch, which would concern me with, losing the ball to a good pressing team like Arsenal. Now, Brighton has been running pretty hot offensively. Like their last six matches, their 12 goals of a 5.6 expected against Southampton. They scored three goals. I understand one was an own goal, but only off a of 0.6 expected. And the flip side of that coin is though, Brighton has been very, very good defensively. Like they're a 0.91 non-penalty expected goal uh, allowed per 90. Their third in big scoring chances allowed, expect, expected threat allowed, and touches in the penalty alert touches in the penalty area allowed. So this is an absolutely legit defense that can hold Arsenal in check. Um, game state truly does matter though. Like if, if Brighton's able to score first, then Arsenal has to play more aggressive in the match, opens up a little more with how Deserby wants to play. But generally Arsenal, when they do have a lead, they are able to kill games. Like they're only allowing around one expected goal per 90 when playing with the lead. So uh, I think if Arsenal, I think this is a good match potentially for, maybe Arsenal to win nil. Uh, they've Arsenal with the funny part about this is playing both teams score. No Arsenal has scored in every single premier league match this season. Um, but again, I think the price is just a little bit uh, too low on this. So I have a projected at minus one Oh six. So I like both teams to score. No plus one twenty-five. Uh Arsenal did look great. I, I, I had the distinct pleasure of watching a couple of big tickets in Brentford and, and West Ham blow leads. Um, but uh, that West Ham game always felt like it felt like Arsenal was up three one, even though they were down one nil. Um, so I do tip my cap to Arsenal. I thought they they were really good out of the break, and uh, they're they've been awesome all season. Uh, but Brighton are really good. 
this is a really good team and they're they are. a big they're very price good. at home and and uh like you said that i made this argument for west ham last week about just the defense being able to contain arsenal and and kind of turn the game into a coin flip well the same can be said applied to brighton and brighton's better than west ham going forward so uh i know the number's not nearly as big but, but they're at home deserve's best manager in the world hmm. uh so how can you not back the seagulls here it's a just a bloated price on arsenal anthony your boys yeah i agree i mean i think uh if you follow me in the app i actually bet this game before arsenal and brighton even played on boxing day because i i thought that was number was wrong uh and i was waiting for the right spot to fade arsenal i thought uh that the hammers weren't a great matchup arsenal has dominated that and I didn't think the Hammers would do enough to disrupt Arsenal's possession. And it ended up being the case. I mean, they just gave Odegaard way too much time on the ball. Uh, and he eventually destroyed them, even though, you know, the first goal comes off of like a fluke. Uh, Arsenal was clearly the better team and deserved to win and dominated the possession and the chances. Uh, I, I disagree on the penalty. I did think it was a penalty. It was not. He uh, never just, made contact. It's a classic example. He never of, made like, contact. Players, players get... Uh, normally not rewarded when they don't dive. If he just goes over after the first contact, everybody says, oh yeah, he clipped him penalty. But because he tried to stay up, it makes it look like it was less contact. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't matter. Deserved win for Arsenal. But I do think if you go back, the first half of that game did show kind of the impact of not having Gabriel Jesus and how he is so much better at linking the play and coming short and connecting than Niketia is. Niketia is much more of a poacher type striker than he is a passer. And so I think you get less uh, build-up ability there. And I think Brighton can do a much better job of kind of disrupting Odegaard and disrupting the time on the ball for the, for the midfield players of Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal's third and expected threat differential. It's pretty impressive. Second is Liverpool. First, of course, is City. Uh, you'd think they dominate that. But Brighton's fourth. They're right behind them. So they've been just as dominant in tilting the field on their opponents and, and being competitive. And, and the Gunners have only been about – a half goal better than Brighton this season. So, you know, you factor in the home field advantage that's come with the Prem and it's been the strongest home field advantage in the last decade uh, across the league. Brighton is clearly uh, undervalued here, in my view. The one thing that does concern me, Arsenal really good on set pieces. They're one of the best teams. They've created the most expected goals off of set pieces. Uh, Brighton has struggled in the last, you know, four months uh, on set pieces. And really since Potter left, it's gone down a little bit. So that's been a vulnerability for them. But I still like to be uh, the, the Seagulls at home. Uh, I like the Bees later too, but I like the Seagulls <laughs> at home. <laughs> it's hard, <laughs> it's it's hard to team and it's something we do as tradition. Really uh, there's, there's also a pair of game of fr- uh, on Friday here. Uh, I'll tell you what, we'll start with the Liverpool match, even though it's the 3 p.m. kickoff, because I got to say, how quick until Jurgen Klopp complains about the fixture pile up here, as if they're the only team dealing with it. They're playing 3 p.m. on Friday, minus 334 home to Leicester city who are eight to one on the money line coming off a, just a, a no show effort against Newcastle. Uh, the draw was five is five to one here at bet three, six, five. I I could see an argument that you, you should just set it and forget it with, with Liverpool on like a, a spread. Cause I see goals in this match. Um, and I don't see many of them coming from Leicester, but the price just seems a little crazy and had Leicester not, just gotten walked by Newcastle. Like if, if you had just kind of flipped those, these, these games, you might get a, a better opportunity. You would have got a better opportunity to go against uh, the Foxes with, with Liverpool, but uh, you know, that's not what's happening here. So I, I think this one's a, a pass for me. It would be Liverpool like on a spread or nothing. BJ, you think uh, we might see some bushels of goals though. Yeah, I do like over three and a half goals at plus 110. You know, Liverpool's struggles this season, like, has really put a damper on how good their offense truly has been. Like, they're averaging 1.79 non-penalty expected goals per 90. That's 0.01 behind Manchester City. They have created the most big scoring chances in 18 in their last nine matches, and they're averaging almost 40 touches in the penalty area. Like, this is an absolutely legit offense that, yes, doesn't have Diego Jota. They're probably not going to have Firmino. They're obviously going to be without Luis Diaz for a while, but they have plenty of attackers. And then Cody Gakpo's coming uh, in January. Um, but Leicester defensively has been really, really bad. I mean, they were very bad against Newcastle. They were, they're 17th overall in expected goals allowed. Like Danny Ward 
yeah, he had a little bit of a positive regression comeback, but let's be honest, he's still one of the worst goalkeepers in the Premier League. And Leicester, the big thing about them is we saw some positive regression for them defensively. And I think the reason for that is because they stopped playing really, really good teams. Like if you look through their their uh, their schedule, they played a lot of the big six up in the first part of the season. And then they played the Bournemouths, the Crystal Palaces, and those type of teams in the bottom half. So far this season against the top half of the table, Leicester's allowing 1.8 expected goals per 90 uh, against the top half. And I mentioned this last episode, but Leicester, you know, you look at their offensive passes per defensive action numbers and you'll see their third right now. And they're like, oh, that's very impressive. But when they have to face good pressing teams, like they tend to struggle. And it happened against Newcastle. The, the penalty uh, to open the match came off of a high turnover. Newcastle forced 11 of those in that match. Liverpool's high press doesn't really have the same bite uh, that it's had in years past, but I mean, they're still top six and, and uh, high turnovers. And I mean, Leicester, you know, if this, if Liverpool scores first night, Leicester, it's going to get out of hand for them because they are allowing close to 1.7 expected goals when playing from behind. And the flip side of that coin is Liverpool's defense just really hasn't been that good. Like they're allowing 1.25 non-penalty expected goals per 90. That's that's 10th in the Premier League. Like they've allowed 17 big scoring chances. And one thing to look out for is Allison is running ridiculously hot in net. Like he's at a plus 8.3 post shot XG plus minus. So I think this match has a ton of goals in it. I have 3.4 goals projected. So I like the price of three and a half at plus 110. The other uh, Friday kickoff, West Ham are plus 105 at home. The Bees, Brentford plus 250. The Draws plus 260. Uh, this looks like a classic Brentford spot. The price, maybe not big enough, but it would be bees or nothing for me here. Anthony, anything for you, West Ham and Brentford? Yeah, I don't have a ton here either. Uh, Brentford, I thought were very impressive against Spurs, but I thought that had more to do with Spurs being poor than Brentford being really good. Uh, I don't have much between these two teams in my power ratings. I think that the Hammers do rely a lot on set pieces to create chances, and their attack is still not been good this season like there is positive regression coming but they've still been poor uh, and the bees don't concede big scoring chances and they don't concede much off of set pieces and so i don't know that the hammers get enough shots like there's not enough shots in this lineup right now for me to trust them to get margin as a favorite so this is a stay away for me better spot uh, on monday <laughs> yeah exactly we'll we'll, yep. we'll 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 save brentford for a little later uh 7 30 a.m on saturday wolverhampton Hosting Manchester United, Wolves plus 320 at Bet365 United. Odds on, on the road, minus 118. The draw is plus 260. Wolves coming off famous victory on the road at Goodison Park in the 95th minute. Uh, Not fun for me at all. Uh, Fun for Anthony, who uh, backed up the Brinks truck, put put the house on on Wolverhampton in that game and got bailed out uh, on the money line. Who's lucky? That was a lucky win for Wolves. Uh, Lopetegui, though, he looked great in his tight, I don't know what, like turtleneck and tight pants. Uh, it's nice to have another manager, like a handsome manager in, in the Premier League, and, and he really looked great um, in, in his getup. Can't wait to see what he wears in his home debut. Uh, but from a betting standpoint, BJ, it, it's really kind of hard to, to get involved here because it'll take, I think it'll just take some time for Wolves to, to sort out their, sort out going forward. They, didn't look too dangerous against Everton. It was more of Everton shooting themselves in the foot than Wolverhampton creating. Right. And, you know, I think the price here on United is finally, I think the market's finally appropriately pricing them. You know, this is the type of price we were seeing earlier on in the season when they went to Brentford and when they were actually, you know, the Manchester United team that was struggling. Well, now they're starting to resurge. They're starting to play better. I know, you know, I've said a lot of bad things about Manchester United. I'm starting to change my tune a little bit, but they looked good against Nottingham Forest. Like they were- Welcome back. That's a sign wins, of growth. But, That's but a there sign will of growth be as a human times, being. There will be times to fade, fade Manchester United. I really don't think uh, this is the spot here. I think I think it's honestly appropriately priced. Like I have United projected at plus 118. Um, so, I mean, if they get steamed hard, then yeah, I'll take a look at Wolves. But it's just so hard to get involved with Wolves. I know Anthony loves them. I know he thinks they're the best offense in the world. But, <laughs> I mean, they just take so many shots from outside the box. And it's just they're going to try to cross United to death. And it's just not going to work. And it's just going to be a very sluggish match. So, um, I am passing. I'll United will probably win 2 nothing, um, And I'll be happy I stayed away. But, uh, no, this is a pass for me. 10 a.m. is now. Uh, we'll start well, I, I want to weigh in. <laughs> 
All right, weigh in, weigh in. I want to, I want to take a victory lap because uh, you know I was slandered for my Wolves attack hate uh, love, and we scored two goals. We cashed the first half team total, and uh, I should have had some money line, but didn't actually have any because I'm a coward. But that was just a beautiful, beautiful end to the match, Michael. I'm sorry about your toffees, but I thought Wolves actually looked better. They looked more competent going forward. They seemed like they had like a plan. And like, yes, it's probably just results bias. Like they created like one expected goal and scored twice. And finally, like finished a couple of chances. And so now we we all pretend that they're good. But I, I also think the biggest difference for Man United has been Marcus Rashford. I mean, he's finally fit. Like the last year he barely played. And when he did play, he was extremely ineffective. And Ronaldo was kind of, uh, we'll say, a, a net negative as a striker for them. Yeah. So it was a problem. And now they have a bunch of dudes who can who can run, cover ground, and, and, and run at defenders. I mean, Rashford and Martial just running at people with Anthony doing good pressing work and, and creating from the right as well. I mean, they're just like a good team. Uh, and it kind of shows you how fast things change in the Prem. I've got them rated better than Tottenham and better than Chelsea. And I know Michael, or I know BJ is very upset to hear that, but uh, United has really turned it around since... Uh, November they're not 1st, they're not better than Tottenham, Come on. which is now a completely arbitrary date that I made up as relevant. November 1st, they're actually plus 0.5 XG difference per 90. So, you know, you give Ten Hag some time, you get Casemiro in there, upgrade the midfield a little bit, uh, upgrade the defense with Martinez, even though he didn't play against Forrest. Uh, there's a clear trend line for United. I think there is a ceiling because they still are limited at striker and. And I'm still a little skeptical of how many shots they're really going to get from these players. Like, can they truly be a top four team? Probably not. Uh, Cause I still have them worse than Liverpool and Newcastle, but I think that there's real uh, upward trajectory here for, for United. I'm scared that if BJ is like not saying them, every three months you should. say that, you, you know, no, I said at the beginning of the season and then, and yeah, then every, I, I said, we're going to bet against them. And then, months. and then I said, it's time to stop betting against them. And BJ uh, didn't listen. Uh, all right, let's talk about the, some 10 a.m. games uh, and games that all three of us actually like here, all three of us on the same side for a 10 a.m. kickoff between Fulham. Even money favorites against Southampton. They're at home. Southampton's bottom of the table, but Saints plus 260, draw plus 260. I think this is absolutely a spot to back. Nathan Jones and Southampton. Uh, BJ, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Southampton for over the second half of the season is going to be the biggest positive regression candidate pretty much in the Premier League. I mean, they did not have a good showing against Brighton. Um, you know, they lost 3-1, They can, but they did what Nathan Jones loves to do. He concedes a ton of possession, likes to be very direct. They did end up winning the expected goals battle, but I, I'm hitting the brakes on that because, you know, they created 1.9. Well, 1.45 of it was the penalty that was missed and then the rebound shot. So... Uh, but again, they held Brighton to 0.6 expected goals, which is very impressive. Now, Southampton, all of that positive regression they're, they're hopefully going to get over the second half season is going to have to come defensively because they're right now 28 goals allowed off of 20.8 expected. In their last six matches, they've allowed 10 goals off of 6.3 expected. And the main problem, it's the goalkeeper. It's Banazoo. I mean, he has a minus 0.52 post-shot XG plus minus per match, which I looked – if he keeps that up over the second half of the season, that would be by far the worst post-shot XG plus minus in Premier League history since they started tracking it in 2016. So the point is, is he cannot continue to be this bad. Or maybe he will, and we'll just continue losing money. But Fulham is absolutely overvalued in the spot. Yeah, they beat Palace 3-0. Palace was down two men for 65 minutes of that match. And let's not forget, I mean, Fulham's still the worst defense in the Premier League. Like, they're allowing over 1.6 non-penalty expected goals per match. They've allowed 31 big scoring chances, but... The thing is, stylistically, these are going to be two of the more direct teams in the Premier League. So it'll be, I'll be very interested to see who controls more possession, who's able to be more threatening on the counter. Um, but yeah, this is a perfect spot here for Southampton. Good buy low on them and a sell high on Fulham. So I like Southampton plus half a goal at minus 120. Yeah, I'll be playing the money line here on Southampton. It's just that, that Fulham's coming off a, a big win against Crystal Palace, a win where basically they played against nine players and a very uninterested palace side so i think that we're seeing a little bit of uh inflation here pretty simple on on the cottagers and i mean what better time to buy on saints than now with them at the bottom of the table and not getting a new manager bounce in nathan jones's debut uh anthony 
Yeah, I agree. I'll make it three for three. We'll all ride the Saints. Uh, when the Saints go marching in, uh, they're the better team in my power ratings, uh, even though they're sitting in 20th, you know. Same thing we said last week with Wolves. You know, Wolves, despite being in 20th, they're actually better than I thought they'd be this season. Uh, I won't say Saints are better than, than I thought they would be this season, but I'd say they're better than the market and the current table would indicate they're not by at all the worst team in the league and Fulham sitting in eighth. I mean, it is a unreal run by Mitrovic. Mitrovic is actually third in the league in uh, XG per 90 right now behind only Erling Holland and Darwin Nunez. So that just shows you how good Mitro has been. And both teams do have advantages here in crossing. Neither team stops crosses. Both teams get a lot of chances from crossing. So there is a path to both uh, teams scoring in this matchup, but really I just think this is classic sell high, buy, sell high, buy low with Fulham and Southampton at complete ends of the table where they shouldn't be necessarily. Both teams should probably be right around 15th uh, and you've got Saints sitting down in 20th and Fulham sitting up in eighth. And it's really not representative of where they really have played to be or should be right now. So I'll take the Saints plus a half and we ride. Yeah, that, that, that'll definitely end well. Um, the City did move too. Like Fulham was plus 120, yeah. plus 115 on the look aheads. Now they're down to even money. So you're getting, that's a pretty big move off of one game where, like you said, Southampton, I thought played pretty well in that game. Like they gave up a couple great goals to Brighton, but on the balance weren't, weren't terrible. Uh, do we want to talk about City and Everton or do you want to just skip right through this one? Well, here? I mean, <laughs> I was if thinking I had, if totally I had to do, if I had to do anything, I would be with you, Michael on Everton. Um, but I mean, I, I'll be honest, Michael, I still don't know what to make of Everton. I mean, maybe you can enlighten our listeners, but like, they're maybe obviously, they're, they're going obviously down. Over, they're obviously overperforming defensively because of Pickford. Now that now there's rumors that some teams may want him, uh, in January, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's bleak. And, you know, I mean, city probably will run up the score here. Um, so if you want to take city, go ahead. But yeah, I think this is just, uh, one of the easiest passes on the board. City's minus 800, uh, Everton 20, <laughs> 20 to one on the, Ever- you know what? I'll, I might throw a few bucks on the Everton, uh, reverse puck line, Michael. There you go. Yeah. Uh, it'll probably be like what? 22 to one or something. Which is, which is minus one and a half for those of us who don't know yeah. hockey. <laughs> you know, what's, you know, what's nuts. It, like how bad Everton is. Well, no, that's not nuts. We, we saw what happened last year. They barely escaped relegation. Um, but they weren't but, that bad when they did it. This year, they're actually worse. They're worse this year than they were last year. Uh, it's still too early to say, okay? We'll find out. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> seen enough of... Again, uh, have not Cal- played City have, or Arsenal yet. Calvert-Lewin and Mape playing up top to, to make a... Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah Anthony exactly. Gordon had a good game. I, I, I think... So I looked and I was like, all right, first read without even looking at the market yet. I want, I want city team total overs because we talked about this last week and we said this Everton defense is going to regress and what a perfect opportunity when on the road against the best team in the league to just destroy them. Uh, I looked and it was minus 150 at over two and a half. I was like, Oh yeah, no, we can't do that. And I looked at my numbers and I was like, I can't even get there. Uh, if you really want to get crazy, I maybe like a sprinkle on like an over three and a half team total, because I think this is going to be a route. Uh, I think City has a chance to kind of run it up here at home. The welcome back from the World Cup break game, uh, they looked really good today. I thought they dominated leads, created a bunch of chances. Uh, and it's a very different task going up against Everton because they're sure. going to play a lot more passively. But I don't really think it matters. I mean, Everton have conceded 2.2 to Spurs, 1.9 to Fulham, 2.4 to Bournemouth, 1.5 to Newcastle. That was their last four away matches in the Prem. Uh, so City also really good at creating like cutbacks and width and using width to, you know, move defenders Ever- Everton doesn't stop crosses so it's hard to make the case yeah. for the, well, the toughies the, we'll get the to case it is that it's 20 to one like that's it. right that's the only case yes yeah. is, is that yeah. you, you think about these we've we've already seen City lose to a team that was 19 to one and Brentford is miles better than Everton uh, I think it's pretty fair to say so the, the B shouldn't have been up at that correct, price correct me if i'm wrong michael but there has been a few matches where everton has held city in check right in the past yeah last last year they they got an unlucky var call against the uh against exactly. them and, and they lost one nil on a penalty yeah. Yeah. they can do i mean look i think that here's the argument for everton here is they're 20 to 1 and if you look at their lineup you, you th- there's enough talent on, on, in the lineup to be like this team shouldn't be 20 to 1 against anybody but that's an indictment on everything else at everton uh, i'll be betting everton on the money line at 21 i do not encourage anybody else to do so. Bournemouth Palace. Uh, 
Bournemouth is plus 180, Crystal Palace plus 150 on the road. The draw is plus 230. Uh, Palace is breaking, they're breaking my heart a little bit. I still think that this number is good enough, though, uh, on Vieira's side. On the road against Bournemouth, a team that they're just punching above their weight. Like, I I, I get what they're, they're, they've done through the first portion of the season before the World Cup was impressive in the way they, they got results. They, they made Everton look like fools twice in a week, which was, you know, now we know it's not a something to be celebrated. Um, I just, I just ref- almost refuse to. I'll go down with the ship with Palace. I refuse to believe that they're uh, not better than what we've seen out of them. So I'll be on Palace here, uh, plus one fifty. BJ, you were on Bournemouth against yeah, the, yeah. You yeah. Just, um, your favorite team. Yeah, shame on me. Um, they did nothing against Chelsea. Uh, yeah. Half an expected goal. Didn't attempt, didn't attempt a shot inside the box until the 78th minute when the match just got completely stretched. So shame on me for, for thinking the worst team in the Premier League could cover a uh, one-and-a-half spread against a, a Chelsea team that was very, very bad before the break. But, hey, it happens. Um, Bournemouth, I mean, these are literally the two worst offenses in the Premier League. Like, they're, this is 19th and 20th on the XG chart. Bournemouth is at, uh, you know, 0.75 non-penalty XG per 90. They're, at, they're averaging eight shots per match, only 16 touches in the penalty area. Like, this is, a, this is just a really bad offense. And they've been they've been running pretty hot. 12, 12 goals off of 8.4 expected in their last eight. Um, but Crystal Palace, I, I did some digging into their defense because I was like, you know, this was a top five de- defense by XG last year. So like what on earth has happened? Because they are by every metric you look at like the 15th defense in the premier league. And really what it boils down to is they've just gotten routed by good offenses. Then obviously when they were down nine men against Fulham. So against city Liverpool and Newcastle, and then obviously Fulham uh, when they were down to nine men, they allowed over two expected goals in all of those matches in every other match so far this season, they're only allowing 1.04 expected goals per 90 minutes. So it's really just been a few bad matches against really, really good offenses or be obviously being down two men to Fulham. So I don't really see a path where Bournemouth is going to create over one expected goal in this match. If palace continues to play, like they have been against mediocre offenses. And the flip side of this palace offensively, I already mentioned it. They're 19th in non-penalty expected goals. Like they are truly, truly quite terrible at trying to actually create those big scoring chances in the final third. They've only created nine of them on the season. They're bottom five in every single offensive category. I like both teams to score. No, at even money. I, I think it's kind of crazy that this price is sitting there at even money. So, um, I have that projected at minus 147. So both teams score no at even money for me. I've lost so many unders betting these bad teams that continue to score goals out of nothing yep. in this league this year. And it's really been the story of the league. Uh, overs yep. are hitting at 60, almost 60%, yep. uh, which is absurd based on our bet labs data. Uh, they went eight, one and one in the first 10 matches coming yep. out of the break. BJ's very unhappy about it. I am yep. too, because I bet mostly unders, but I love the under here. Cherry's defense has actually been decent at home. They've conceded nine expected goals in eight matches right around middle of the league. And they have played a couple of, uh, of the bigger sides at home. So it's not like they've only played the uh, cupcakes at home, but neither of these attacks can consistently get the ball into the penalty area. Even the palace Fulham game that ended three nil. was only four shots in the first half hour when the game was 11 on 11. And that kind of gets to the point here. Like palace is just not effectively breaking teams down. They've never been great at that. Even last year, when they were good and now uh, they've just really fallen off going forward. And I think the price is about right here. Uh, I've downgraded palace. Their defense has fallen off a cliff, but the Bournemouth attack is not the one that's going to take advantage of that. Yeah. Palace getting dominated uh, by the good teams is not something that happened last year. And it is something that's happened a couple of times this season. So I'm a little bit down on palace. I'm, I'm definitely down on Bournemouth who is starting to regress. Now they're down to 14th in the table. They'll be in the relegation fight. If you just look at their goal difference, you see where they are as a team. That gives you a good indication that they're one of the three worst teams. I think they're the worst team in the league. So this screams 1-0, 1-1 kind of match. So I'm laying some juice here. Minus 130, 135s are out there as well. Uh, under two and a half for me. Uh, Newcastle and Leeds next. Newcastle's minus 223 at home. Leeds United 6-1. to one. The draw is plus 350. Uh, boy, Newcastle looked great against Leicester. They are. They were in second place 
uh, on the table before the city match. Uh, it's now it. I think it's fair to say that this season right now, like they're the third best team in the league. When you're just looking at this team, at this season in a vacuum, right? Like you can you could say Liverpool are more talented and Chelsea are more talented, United, whatever. But just in terms of what how things are going, I don't think that the Newcastle being in third place is unfair. How about put it that way? Um, that said, the market is is getting a little crazy uh, here, and Leeds are a team that are dangerous. Like they can. They can punch up. They've they can you know, if you're not on if you're not on your game and, and Leeds catches you, you know, off kilter just a, a little bit, you're in trouble. And that makes them dangerous. Six to one, I think, is a good enough price here. Uh going against Palace, not gonna be fun. They are the third biggest favorite on on the board behind uh City and Liverpool this week. So it's just I don't feel good about it generally, but I just think it's it's hard. If you had told me four or five weeks before the World Cup, you were going to get, have a chance to bet Leeds United at six to one against Newcastle. I think we'd all be like, that's probably a little insane. So I'll take uh, Leeds here at six six to one, big price. Anthony, uh, your boys, your peacocks. Yeah, I was just pulling it up. Uh, I've now bet on Leeds in their last one, two, three, four, five, <laughs> six matches in the Prem. You love yourself uh, some Jesse Marsh. I do love Jesse, and I like this Leeds team. I, I still like them. Uh, they are dealing with some injuries up front. Uh, they looked a little bit short going forward today, and it definitely played a role in that match. Uh, I thought uh, the, the decision to start Aronson up top with Rodrigo didn't really work, and then they moved him out wide, and that didn't really work either. Uh, the defense didn't do well. I mean, it wasn't a great performance, but it was Manchester City. Right. So, yes, Leeds will be getting downgraded. Uh, the question for this matchup is whether or not Leeds can really disrupt Newcastle because Newcastle have, compared to the traditional top four, top six teams, they tend to be more pragmatic, whereas Newcastle wants to move the ball quickly and kind of make faster possessions. Uh, so can Leeds disrupt that? I would, I like betting Leeds at home in those situations more than away, but I, it would be Leeds or nothing again for me here. I still just think the market is too low on this Leeds team uh, that, that continues to put up excellent underlying numbers uh, that, that suggest they're right around 10th in the league Spurs you know I was alluding to this that basically every everything remains status quo it was like the world cup never even happened and and Spurs are the perfect metaphor for that nine straight games Spurs have fallen behind or conceded first in the Premier League uh they look terrible in the first half it's just like this they have this just incredibly strange trait where they they almost like need to be incentivized to play in in a match and then all of a sudden antonio conte takes his hand breaks off and spurs look like world beaters uh able to nab a 2-2 draw against brentford despite falling behind they're minus 150 tottenham are at home against unai emery's aston villa uh who are four to one the draw is three to one this is a sunday morning kickoff i don't know how anyone could trust spurs at this price at this time right now anthony uh, this is a team that looks confusing, I guess is the best way to put it. They are Jack Jekyll and Hyde, literally Jekyll in the first half, Hyde in the second half. Um, do you just sit back and say, okay, I'll just wait for Villa to score and then I'm going to live bet Spurs? No. Uh, I think, you know, by the way, you know who the first, the last team Spurs scored first against? Is it Arsenal? It's got to be Everton. Everton. Yeah, it's got to be Everton. Do you know the... Wolves, October fifteenth. Wolves, Wolves has two away wins in the calendar year, and they both came <laughs> at Goodison Park. There you go. Yeah, the answer is always Everton. Spurs are starting to remind me of a certain team in two thousand twenty and two thousand twenty one that cost me a ton of money because uh, coming out, actually going into COVID and then coming out of COVID, this was a team who would consistently be overrated in the betting market. They would consistently fall behind their opponents. They would make a magical comeback and then seem to always score in stoppage time every game off of a fluke or a transition or a weird play. And they would win these games and it was bizarre. And this team finished second in the Prem, despite being like the sixth best team in the league that year. They were the closest challengers uh, to Man City 
And then they went into a period of turmoil right after that. And then they had to reboot everything. And they're a team that BJ has bet against repeatedly this season. And now they're finally on the upswing. That's where I feel like we're out on the cycle with Tottenham. They remind me so much of the Ole Man United teams that it's kind of remarkable. And I shouldn't say Ole and Conte. I shouldn't put them in the same sentence because obviously there's a huge managerial difference there. But Spurs have been incredibly fortunate. They have rescued a ton of points. They were totally outplayed the first hour against Brentford. The only thing that worked was just hoofing the ball up to the, for- to the forwards, winning every aerial duel, completely bypassing the midfield. The, the defense was leaving a lot to be desired. Eric Dyer, uh, you know, conceding a stupid corner that leads to the goal. Longley, I actually thought had a pretty strong performance, but you know, Davidson Sanchez, first guy off the bench. Like there's just a lot of, you know, Jaffa Tanganga getting starts Romero still celebrating the world cup. There's just a lot of, of staleness at Tottenham right now. It feels like, and they haven't taken a step forward. They've taken multiple, multiple steps back. They were doubled up on expected goals. I was in pretty encouraged by the Villa performance. Now the number isn't quite there for me right now, but I do think we're going to get a plus one. And then it's going to be hammer time on Aston Villa because that is this Tottenham team just continues to, to run really good. Uh, the only thing that's scary Villa's bad defending set pieces. And that's the one thing where Tottenham has lived uh, and survived and, and been incredibly fortunate. I guess it's the one key difference because those United teams weren't good at set pieces either, but you know, Spurs have been great on set pieces. It has saved them, but somebody asked me today, is going down all the time and coming back a, a Conte thing? Like there's a problem with Conte, you know, whether it's tactically in the first half or is it just that they're bad? And I will always say that it's probably random and variance that teams keep falling behind. Like the, the games don't play out a little differently where they go up and then concede, but it's just a sign of an inconsistent and not very good team. If you continuously keep conceding chances early in games and falling behind. And remember there was another team that had the same problem in the spring, Liverpool and started and look at what happened to them, you know, this early season here where they've been getting, uh, you know, beat repeatedly. So it's a harbinger of bad things to come. And I'm very, I'm about as bearish as I've been on Tottenham probably a year and a half, two years uh, after that match on, after that match on Monday. Yeah, I'm on Villa. Uh, four to one is a good enough number to go against the Spurs team that just, they look incredibly vulnerable. But even I test, if you just watch them, we're not getting superhuman numbers out of Sun anymore either. Like he just regressed back to. We got to get the mask instead off. of instead of incredible. Also, like he, you 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 ran through the starters and and Perisic was out there, which I, I was like, whoa, this poor guy just you know bled his heart out for Croatia uh, in Qatar and and he's back out there already. So I uh, just for that, I thought that was crazy. Um, yeah, it's just you you watch a Spurs game and. and that those both those Brentford goals were coming. I know that the Dyer the 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 goal off the, the corner from Dyer's shin was fortunate, but it was still coming. Like the, the the Spurs were like playing with fire for 30 minutes, the first 30 minutes of the game. Uh Villa, I think that the four to one is, is such a good number. It's not Steven Gerrard's Villa anymore, PJ. This 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 team should be more formidable. Uh and Show me the person that wants to bet Tottenham at minus 150. Let me see him. Not me. Not me at minus 150. (laughs) But what I will say, it's something I've been saying quite a bit, is that I think the market's going to go against Tottenham based on, you know, what we've seen them just consistently going behind. Like, it's already come down a little bit. You can find a a Tottenham minus 140 out there. And if this thing hits minus 120, I will be firing on Spurs because they, yes, the eye test, they haven't looked that bad, but they're going to get Benteker back. They're going to get Romero back probably for this match. They'll be a little bit better defensively, a little bit better in the midfield. And the biggest thing, and I understand game state is because it's because Aston Villa was behind against Liverpool, but they were really, really bad in transition defense. So if Tottenham's able to sit deep and just play in transition against Villa, like <laughs> a better finisher than Darwin Nunez, then Liverpool could have had four or five goals in that match. So I'm very hesitant to just start fading Spurs again, because like Anthony said, like going behind nine times in a row is just, it, it truly is variance. Like, unless you're just really, really bad, like over one of the worst teams in the premier league, like, okay, you can just say, all right, they're bad. But like a team like Tottenham, who's in the top four, who is still at around a plus seven expected goal differential, like 
this, this team isn't as bad as I think everybody is making out to be. I think they will start to veer the other way as they start to get some of their attack. Obviously, they got Kulusevsky back. That'll obviously help them going forward. But I think you're going to see a better, more inspired Tottenham performance uh, this weekend. So if Tottenham hits minus 120, I'll be firing on them. But if they don't hit get there, well, I'll just wait for them to concede, and then I will bet them live. Uh, good luck, Jay. Thank you. Not enforced. What, what is Villa to score first? Uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of curious. I don't have minus, to it. Be over minus two, two, minus, minus, minus five hundred in my model. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other Sunday game is uh, BJ's Nottingham Forest. They're plus four twenty five, hosting Chelsea, minus one fifty. Same price as Spurs. The draw is plus two eighty at the City Ground. Looked like Grand Potter's tutelage is starting to pay off a little bit at Chelsea. Some some Brighton goals uh, out of them against Bournemouth of all teams, though. So read into it what you what you will. But uh, they did look good. That said, it's it's a pass for me. I don't, I'm not laying this uh, number with, with Chelsea, and I've got no interest in forced uh, here. I, I've got some other underdogs that I I'll be losing money on instead. Um, what do you got, Anthony? When do we when do we start criticizing Steve Cooper? Are we allowed to do that on the show? No. No, no, no. He's he's, no, he's because they they, they look terrible defensively. They look like a mess. I mean, it's like every time they lose the ball. It was the first game out of the World Cup. Every time they have like been a, twenty new guys. Like they're yeah, still just give the guy a pinks, man. Come give on, give the guy a break. Give him a break. Really, all we do is talk at so, sample so size, and you want to judge Steve Cooper off his first twenty games in the Premier League? Yes. Give the guy. Well, there's only going to be about nineteen. Give the guy a break out of the Premier League, but. Yeah, I mean, this is in theory a good forest spot. If we got over plus one, I, I think I would hop. I think I would hop on BJ's boys. Um, they just like they have improved defensively, like in the sense that they haven't been conceding as many goals uh, because teams haven't finished as well, and like there was regression coming positively for this defense. But uh, and and they have been better at home. But I mean, it's just hard to make the case. I'm not laying it with Chelsea because I do think it was just one game at home against the worst team in the league. So I'm not going to all of a sudden go buy my Chelsea stock and think that they solved everything. Although I was encouraged by Mount's performance. I thought it was his best game of the year, but again, it was Bournemouth at home. Uh, now they go on the road to forest. Uh, and I still think they're a little bit inflated, but yeah, this is a pass for me. I would lean toward the under as well, because I'm still not really buying this Chelsea attack and at all. So I will, uh, We'll lean toward the under, but I will I will leave it to BJ, who will try to sell our listeners on betting on these bums again at this number. Like I'm trying to sell Bournemouth, Nottingham Forest. Like I am just. Trying but you won't to go sell. near Everton. You won't go near Everton. I won't. No, I really won't. Um, yeah, I mean Chelsea won two nothing. Like it was very comfortable. Um, but that was the first time this season. This, this is kind of remarkable. First time this season, Chelsea has scored two goals in the first half. And it's also the first time in six matches that they've created over one and a half expected goals. And they were still only able to tilt the field 53% against the, the biggest field tilt defense in the premier league. And I agree with Anthony, like the problems still exist up front for Chelsea. Like I don't think that just because Kai Havertz finished off a goal that a goalkeeper probably should have came out and, and punched away that they're suddenly now going to create all these big scoring chances because I mean, let's not forget Chelsea has taken the fewest shots in the premier league inside the six yard box. Like they are still around a little over one non-penalty expected goal per 90 minutes. So um, listen, and the thing is, is like, if I were somebody smarter, I would probably say, Hey, maybe I'll just wait and try to fade Chelsea at a different point than against the two worst teams in the premier league, but I'm not that smart. So I mean, the reality is, is that Nottingham Forest is a big home home road split team. Like they're, they're minus 9.6 expected goal differential on the road and they're minus one at home. They're also due for a ton of positive regression defensively, 33 allowed off of 26.6 expected. Like offensively, they had offensively, they have created the ninth most big scoring chances. Like Chelsea's in the bottom 10 and big scoring chances allowed. Like this is one of those spots that it's advantageous to fade, continue to fade a Chelsea team that is still at a minus expected goal differential on the season. So it'll probably end horribly. Um, but I like Forrest plus half a goal at plus 130. I may wait, like Anthony mentioned, to see if I can get them at plus one, see if people buy into Chelsea or not. Um, but yeah, I, I still don't think Chelsea just solved all their problems after a 1.8 expected goal showing against Bournemouth. Chelsea hosts Man City. 
Uh, there you just go. After, just after New Year's, uh, and we might get a plus one. So we'll see. Might might have to bet the blues. On city, right? Yeah, yeah. Plus city, one on city. Is, city yeah. is plus one. Yeah. Yep. City, city plus, plus one. one. Yep. They should. They should do that. Once once year. Chelsea beats Forest by seven, uh, it might be. They might. The market might have to move might that be. far. And, and City lose to yeah, Everton. Seven push. goals That's off right. of uh, one point two expected. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, all right. Henderson uh, will be back in goal, by the way. Big part of good. The, Wayne, we'll, Wayne Hennessy. Hopefully he wears the hat. Oof, we'll see. Yeah, exactly. Rough. We'll see if his hat is on. Uh, it's, it's December in London. I, I don't see the hat. We got to, we got to, uh, flip the map match week page very briefly here. We'll talk about a Monday kickoff that way. You dear listener have a chance, uh, to hear our thoughts on, on Monday night football between Brentford and Liverpool. This is what I was alluding to earlier when I said that, you know, that Jurgen Klopp is, he's going to be a grumpy man when, when, when he gets a chance to complain about the fact that Liverpool have to play Friday, Monday, um, Brentford's plus 450 at home. Liverpool's minus 175. The draw is plus 300. I think you, dear listener, know exactly where this conversation is going. If you've been listening to the show for a long time, Brentford is a big underdog. Brentford is at home. Brentford is playing a top six side. Those are always the ingredients that we like to look for. To lose money in heartbreaking fashion on a Brentford money line bet, at least on my side of the coin. Uh, watch them you know, lose or draw, draw 2-2 in a, in a brilliant display. One of those one of those games where you feel proud to have bet them, but sad not to have won the bet. Um, but I'll be on the Brentford money line plus four fifty. Uh, these bees, baby. Uh, this this could be it for Ivan Tony. Um, you think they'll do the guard of honor for him? Send him off in style. I would. I mean, God, he was. He what was is he immense. up to now? Like he was five, immense five? against Spurs in that first half too. Could have deal with like, well, like five. I, Ivan Tony had Ivan Tony anytime goal score. Yeah. Cash. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm on Brentford, and I'm pretty sure this conversation will probably follow that scene. Uh, line of thinking. It's a 12.30 kickoff, Anthony. Noon, Eastern time. Will you be spending your lunch hours rooting on the bees? I will. I'm not playing Liverpool against Leicester because I think Leicester is like a slow and intricate team, and I don't love the matchup. I don't love the Foxes. I was going back through the data today. The only team in the league that I have not bet on at any point this season is the Foxes. Uh, so I will be passing there, but I will be fading Liverpool in the Monday night match at Brentford. Liverpool's 11th and expected goals allowed. They conceded 1.4 to Villa. And I tweeted this during the match. It felt like it could have been a lot more. I mean, Villa had constant pressure, constant, uh, you know, breaking through Liverpool's defense under Klopp the last four years had consistently held one of the two highest defensive lines and was top two in passes for defensive action. Usually first it was one year. I think Leeds had them. Uh, during peak Bielsa ball, but they were an incredible pressing team and they're just not anymore. I mean, they're outside the top three in defensive line height. That's per uh, our guy, Mark, uh, the Mark stats bot. Great follow on Twitter. It's considerably lower. It's just a sign that they're having less control of games than they did in years past. And Fabinho and Virgil van Dyke, AKA Virgil van Disney, as I've been calling him, have shown some regression in their performances. I mean, they look like they've lost a step or two as well, and it's hurt Liverpool's transition defense a lot. I think it's the biggest difference between this year and last year and, and years past. Uh, Darwin Nunez will be fine. The attack is still really good, but I'm taking some Brentford first half team total over uh, plus 150. So Brentford just scored in the first half. And then I like some Brentford plus one as well. I'll be firing on the bees. I think they're very live here. Uh, you need the reds to be like a, going a quarter better to bet this number on Liverpool. And I just don't see that uh, against the Brentford team that remains average in the league. Uh, BJ, what about you? Yeah, I'll be on Brentford. I think this is a good, uh, good spot to wait though, before betting Brentford, because if you think about it, Liverpool, as we believe is going to beat Leicester pretty badly. And then obviously Brentford is an underdog against West Ham. So potentially if Brentford loses to West Ham, Liverpool pounds Leicester, you could potentially get a better price on Brentford, but one of the best teams against the big six at home, Ivan, Tony send off. Yeah. Just a perfect spot here for Brentford. And like I already mentioned with Liverpool's defense, like Allison's been running ridiculously hot. Like Liverpool's allowed a ton of big scoring chances. Brentford had two big scoring chances against Tottenham, both of their goals. So I have no doubt in my mind, they'll be able to create one here. And they played a pretty chaotic match against Liverpool last year. Uh, it was a three, three thriller. Um, with a ton of big scoring chances uh, at both ends. So, and that was the Liverpool team that was coming off. And that was in pretty much one of their heights. Uh, it was really over the second half of last season. And then, uh, so 
this is another just Brentford at home against the big six. You almost always have to do it. Brentford plus one in that game too. So it kind of yep. gets to the point. Like Liverpool is clearly worse. Brentford's probably marginally worse than last year, but not significantly so. And so uh, plus one is definitely a good bet for me. Uh, bienvenido. Welcome back to La Liga. And what a way to welcome back Spain's top division. And then a bet on the boys from Bilbao, Los Leones, uh, plus 162 right now at Bet365 against Real Batiste. Uh, Bilbao went into the break as one of the best defensive sides in La Liga. Don't expect that form to really drop off. This is a really good team, even on the road. think that they should be able to get the job done as a slight road favorite for my favorite bet in Spain. as a Thursday kickoff, by the way. So if you're listening to this early, get in on that. BJ. Real Valladolid and Real Madrid over three goals at minus 105. La Liga gonna, over, baby. La Liga over. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Valladolid is some amazing offense because they're not. But Real Madrid's defense, what we've said over and over and over again, they just haven't been that great. Like they've, they're allowing around one expected goal per match and they've conceded in every single La Liga match except for two against Getafe and Elche, two of the worst offenses in the league. Plus, I don't really know at the time of taking this if Chumeni or Kim Kimavinga are going to play in this match. Uh, obviously, they went to the final of the World Cup. I don't know if Ancelotti is going to give them some rest. If they don't play, then that obviously Real Madrid becomes a lot more vulnerable in transition defense. Valladolid is a bottom five defense next year allowed from open play and set pieces. They're allowing around two expected goals per 90 when playing from behind, while Real Madrid is creating over two expected goals per 90 when playing with the lead. So if Madrid scores first, I think this one's going to get out of hand. So uh, I like over his three goals at minus 105. Uh, Anthony, anything for us in Spain? Europe's top five leagues combined. Bill Bow is the best defense in Europe this season. Of course, there's no like weight supplied to that for league strength, but the best defense in Europe is pretty impressive. The 10th best defense in Europe by expected goals allowed this season is Valencia, who is plus a half on the road at Villarreal, who is 12th in XG allowed this season. These two teams are actually remarkably similar. You look at their underlying statistical profiles. Uh, they're right around each other in the expected goals difference. Valencia just a notch better. Uh, Villarreal losing Emery, I think, is a, is a pretty big loss for them. And I do expect some regression coming for this team, which when you look at the talent, like punched way above their talent level under Emery, finishing near the top four in Spain, finishing, uh, you know, of course, in the semifinals of the Champions League and, and all the credit to them for that. But these two teams are very similar. And so I just don't see a huge gap. And thus, I'm going to take the plus a half on the road. So give me Valencia plus a half uh, at Villarreal. Uh, league 1, also in action, uh, along with La Liga and the Premier League. BJ, what do you have for us in France? I like Angers, Strano Bet, uh, plus 105 against Lorient. Lorient's actually in fifth place in, in Ligue 1, but they have a minus 2.4 expected goal differential. Angers lost to Ajaxio on Wednesday. Uh, but they created almost two expected goals and Ajaxio had a penalty. Um, you know, there's two guys on Angers that were pretty influential for Morocco going into the semifinals. Oani and Buffal both got the, got the match off against Ajaxio. I'm assuming that they will be back for this match. And Angers is a really, really big positive regression candidate over the second half of the season. They're sitting in last place in league on, but, they do have a they have a minus 19 actual goal differential and only about a six point minus six point nine expected goal differential. So the the gap between these two teams is is pretty similar when you factor in home field advantage. So I'll take the plus money with Angers and draw no bet. So plus one oh five. Anthony, you also have a little sprinkle for us in France. We oui, bien sûr. Uh I like uh, Ajaxio plus a half on the road at Toulouse. Now, Toulouse has not played yet. They're going to play on Thursday, so we don't have uh, the result for Toulouse coming off of the World Cup break, but they have not been a very good attack, and they've both these teams have uh, their leading goal score with three total goals this season, so it's been a, a struggle for both of these attacks, but Ajaxio's defense has actually been excellent. I mean, they're top 10 in every defensive category that I care about when it comes to stopping the ball, stopping teams from getting into your penalty area, uh, preventing big scoring chances. They've been a good defense and they've been an average team overall coming in from league to uh, they right around even an expected goal difference. They've been unfortunate to be as low in the table as they are in the regression and in, in the relegation fight. 
Toulouse is creating just over 1.1 XG per match. So I just find it hard to see Toulouse getting margin and separation here, even at home. Again, another situation like my best bet in La Liga, where I just think these two teams are very comparable. You could actually make the case that Jack Hill has been better, both coming up from last season where Toulouse was slightly better, but not much better. Uh, so these two teams are just kind of right around each other. And I'm going to take the dog and the plus a half every time in that situation. Uh, right. Speaking of dogs, speaking of Ajaccio, our underdog three-leg parlay will start there. Yeah, it's funny. When Brentford was up 2-0, I went and had to go pull up. Like, what was Michael's underdog? What was BJ's underdog? Like, we're going to hit it again because that was the first bet. I was like, don't ever say that, man. Brentford's got it. <laughs> it's a winner. And no then uh, we, didn't, we didn't even win the first leg. So we're, we're back. We're due again to hit the big uh, underdog parlay officially once again. Uh, and I'm going to get it started with Ajaxio plus 300 uh, this weekend. I just think that for the same reason, I think they're undervalued in the matchup. I think plus 300 on a coin flip game is a pretty good bet. Uh, so I'm going to take them plus 300 for the same reasons that I'm taking them plus a half. Uh, I was going back and forth here and I went with the price. Um, I will reveal the other team after I say who the team I, I bet on was. I, I like Leeds at six to one against Newcastle. I think it's just a classic sell high spot on a team. Newcastle, they're really good. Nobody can deny it anymore. We tried our best, but we can't. Uh, but the, the price is too big, and, and Leeds is always going to be a dangerous up underdog. They can disrupt any team in the league if they're on, and if you're off just a little bit. Newcastle's lost once this entire year. I think the price is big enough on Leeds United uh, to make it two for the Magpies uh, and the other team that I was deciding between was Villa at four to one. Uh, so we'll see what happens here is you can pretty much pencil in a, a Villa win and elites loss and uh, BJ you're underdog. Al Almeria plus two twenty five against Cadiz. I don't get this price whatsoever. I basically factoring in home field advantage. I have this match projected dead on at a pick. I mean, Cadiz, they're terrible. Like they're at a minus 15.9 expected goal differential in only 14 matches. They've created 10.2 expected goals in 14 matches. They are one of the worst offenses in all of Europe. Almeria is only sitting at a minus 7.9 expected goal differential. And you look right before the break, Almeria, they got completely pasted by Barcelona, allowed four expected goals. But the other three matches before that, they played Villarreal, Celta Vigo, and Getafe. They only allowed a total of 1.7 expected goals in those three matches. So this is one of those matches that I just do not get this price, and I do not get why Cadiz is actually a slight favorite. I think it should be a, a dead-on pick -em. So Almeria plus 225 for me. Uh, that three-leg money line parlay pays out a nice 90-1. to one. Good way to go into the new year. Uh, feel good about this one yeah, yeah this one this one this is probably the week actually this is the uh, week <laughs> uh, all right uh well let's close this one out as we always do with our favorite bets in the premier league for the upcoming match week uh anthony you and i are on the same side in different bets i think we were the same way last week as well um i like brighton on the money line i think it's a good sell high spot on arsenal brighton's at home brighton's dangerous arsenal's really good BJ Arsenal's really, really good. Really good. Try to tell them. But Brighton, they're not that much worse. Uh, and they're at home and they've got the better manager. So I'll take Brighton and hold Albion uh, on the money line plus 250. Anthony. You can pretty much pencil in what all of us are going to do as our best bets. I'm going to take an underdog plus a half. Uh, Michael's going to take the big money line underdog. And then BJ is always going to have a both teams to score. No, although BJ's yeah. going, BJ's going a little off script this week. Uh, I like Brighton plus a half minus minus one twenty-five. Uh, I'm going to be the coward. I'm going to take the half a goal. Cause I could very well see this match ending in a draw, but Brighton has been based on underlying numbers, the fourth or fifth best team in the league. And while I do have Arsenal as the second best team right now, you can't tell me that uh, the gunners aren't a little bit, at the top of their market right here. Everybody's talking about them winning the league. Everybody's talking about how dominant they've been Odegaard and Saka and Martinelli. But I think there was a clear drop off in that first half. Uh, we saw it where Jesus not being there hurts this attack. And it didn't matter in that game again, because Odegaard had so much time on the ball to eventually figure out how to break down this defense. But I don't think we'll get that against Brighton. I think Brighton's a much better, you know, disrupting team. They're a better pressing team. They're better on the ball. Uh, they're going to cause problems in this matchup. 
just not that long ago, Arsenal was right around the same price at Brentford. Now they're at Brighton and the same number. So I like the Seagulls who are clearly better than Brentford at home plus a half. Best bet. All right, BJ, take us home. Yeah, I like Southampton plus half a goal at minus 120 at Fulham. You know, Southampton's first match under Nathan Jones did not go according to plan. 3-1 loss to Brighton, but they did hold Brighton to just 0.6 expected goals and five penalty box shots. And Southampton is one of the biggest positive regression candidates over the second half of the season. They're currently sitting with a minus 16 actual goal differential and a minus 3.6 expected goal differential. All of that positive regression is probably going to become defensively because they have allowed 28 goals off of 20.8 expected. Their goalkeeper, Gavin Benazou, he's been really, really bad. He's at a minus minus 0.52 post-shot XG plus minus per match. Over a full season, that would be by far the worst mark ever in Premier League history since they started tracking the stat in 2006-16. So the point being that he can't continue to be this bad. The flip side of that coin is Fulham, they're way overpriced here. Like, they're still the worst defense in the Premier League. Like, they're allowing 1.6 expected goals per 90 minutes. They've allowed 31 big scoring chances. They beat Crystal Palace 3-0 when Palace was down to nine men for 65 minutes. So this is a perfect sell-high spot on Fulham and buy low spot on Southampton. So like Saints plus half a goal at minus 120. All right, that'll do it for another episode of Wonder Goal. Soccer betting podcast presented to you by the Action Network and our friends at Bet365. For Anthony DeBundo, for BJ Cunningham, I'm Michael Leboff. We will see you on the other side of the weekend. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.